Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. All right, guys, welcome back to the show. This is episode 116, and you guessed it, today it is just Steve. So Trev is out of the office today. He is taking Dan Smeltz out to Ducks on the Bay as he was our winner of last year's Sea Duck Hunt giveaway. So we're going to have a full episode coming up on that, and we're just going to let them kind of walk everyone through it. We will be repeating that giveaway, so... Make sure that uh, when those notes drop, jump on there because it was a hell of a hunt from what I'm seeing. Getting into more business, we do have the squirrel competition coming up. So if you are interested in that, please head over to the website and get the rules. It's also in some of the social media posts. Trev's done a pretty good job of getting that put together and getting some amped up uh, frenzy behind it. So make sure if you guys want to jump in and take part of that, you guys go right ahead. Now, I'm not going to get too deep into things for the intro today. We're going to go ahead and just jump right into the news. Bringing you the news for the cruise is our good buddy, Mike Salter. Take it away, Mike. Hey everyone, we're going to start this one off in Michigan where a highly invasive algae uh, has been detected for the first time in the Lower Peninsula. Didymo, commonly known as rock snot, was detected in the Upper Manistee River in Kalkaska County. Uh, unlike most algal blooms that are a result of warm waters and nutrient loading, uh, such as in the Great Lakes, rock snot blooms uh, in cold, low nutrient streams, which are considered pristine and great trout habitat. Rock snot can grow into thick mats that cover the river bottom and can easily attach to fishing equipment, wading gear, and other hard surfaces, making it extremely important for people who fish, wade, and boat to clean boats and equipment, including waders, after each use to prevent transfer into new waterways. Uh, rock snot can become a major problem when blooms cover river bottoms, uh, reducing habitat for macro invertebrates, which are important uh, food sources for fish. Even more concerning <clears throat> is there are currently no ways to eradicate rock snot once it is established in a river or stream, uh, making it more important for recreational users to clean all their equipment after every use. People are being asked to be on the lookout for rock snot either in cotton ball sized patches or dense mats with rope like strings that flow in the current. If rock snot is seen, please take photos. Note the location and report it to the Midwest Invasive Species Information Network online at misin.msu.edu or through their uh, mobile smartphone app. Now off to Oklahoma where new fishing regulations are being proposed to encourage anglers to keep more smaller black bass in Oklahoma lakes and reservoirs uh, instead of catching and releasing. Uh, black bass include smallmouth, largemouth, and the Kentucky spotted bass. Uh, there are an abundance of small bass in a lot of the lakes and reservoirs that are below the 14-inch uh, minimum length for take. Um, increased amounts of smaller fish are competing for the limited supply of food and slowing growth rates of the fish in these lakes and reservoirs. In response, the Wildlife Department is proposing a rule change for 2022, which would remove the 14-inch minimum uh, length limit on smallmouth and largemouth bass from lakes and reservoirs. The proposal would keep the daily creel limit at six, but only allow one fish over 16 inches to be kept. Um, there would be an exemption for tournaments uh, where the tournament directors can obtain a free exemption 
uh, which allows all tournament anglers to keep more than one fish over 16 inches until weigh-in, and then the fish must be released. Uh, the ultimate goal is to get fish to grow faster uh, and larger, as 70% of the bass in Oklahoma's lakes and reservoirs are at or below that 14-inch uh, limit. The department says that the goal is not to produce more trophy fish, uh, but to increase the quality of fishing and offer additional harvest opportunities. Uh, this There is a public hearing set for January 6th on the proposed changes, and anyone can provide comments uh, on the changes at wildlifedepartment.com or by mailing written comments to the agency. Now off to Mississippi, an opportunity for hunters to win cash prizes. Uh, as a way to say thank you to hunters, uh, the Mississippi Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parks is hosting a CWD prize raffle. Uh, for every sample submitted for CWD testing between October 1st and February 15th, your name will be automatically placed in a drawing for one of three cash prizes. Uh, each CWD sample submitted is an additional entry, and winners will be drawn on February 15th for one $1,000 prize and two $500 prizes. So still plenty of time to get out there and shoot some deer and get your entries into the raffle uh, and support the research going on by the department. So now on to some national news. On uh, December 8th, the U.S. House of Representatives passed H.R. 5608, uh, which is the Chronic Wasting Disease Research and Management Act, uh, which is a huge victory for sportsmen and women. Uh, this has been years in the making and authorizes $70 million annual from 2022 through 2028, uh, split evenly between CWD research and man management efforts. $35 million annually will go to research, including developing testing methods, uh, enhancing detection efforts, and better understanding genetic resistance of the disease. Uh, the other $35 million will be used for management of CWD, including prioritizing funding for state and tribal wildlife agencies that have the highest incidence of CWD, CWD uh, are demonstrating the most significant commitments to combating CWD and are uh, facing the greatest risks of new CWD cases. So hopefully this is a turning point um, for controlling CWD and learning more about the disease. Um, a great step forward to provide some funding for that research and management. Lastly, how about a new Pope and Young world record? Uh, on 12-6, a special panel convened to score a potential world record velvet typical Sitka blacktail deer uh, shot by Chuck Adams. Chuck took the blacktail on Kodiak Island, Alaska on August 12th of this year. The deer officially scored at 109 and 7 eighths inches, beating the current velvet typical Sitka blacktail world record taken by Alan Bolin in 2020, which scored 108 and an eighth inches. So congratulations to Chuck on an amazing world record. Um, as always, if you have any news, please send it along to me, especially if you see anything on corner crossing. I have something coming up hopefully next week on that. I'm doing a little more research. There's some big stuff going on out west uh, with some litigation on corner crossing, which is kind of new to me. Uh, so thank you to Stephen Carpenter. He's been sending stuff to me on that. If anyone has anything else, please reach out. Uh, to me at Mike Salter on Facebook or Bearded underscore Bowhunter21 on Instagram. And with that, enjoy the rest of your ride. All right. Thank you, Mike. We appreciate you. And uh, you guys stay tuned because on Monday we will be putting out Mike's Tells from the Tailgate. He was able to capitalize on a, a nice buck and get things going for himself for the season. And we're going to let him share that story. So you guys stick around and make sure you check that out. So before we turn this thing over and we get into Will's incredible season, we're going to go ahead and thank the partners here. So as always, Gator Outdoors. Make sure you go over there, you join part of the Be The Reason, and support him. He's really done a lot for us, and we want to make sure we support him as well. We will support you in that process as you use promo code OUTDOORDRIVE25, and that's 25% off your entire order. Also, Novix Tree Stands. We just got the YouTube video out on the mini, mini sticks, so make sure you jump over there, check it out. And uh, while you're over there, subscribe, give us a like, leave a comment. It goes a long ways for us and helps us just keep doing what we're doing. So we greatly appreciate that. Also, 
Use promo code OUTDOORDRIVE15 for 15% off your Novix purchases. Zeus Broadheads and New Era Archery. Make sure you get over there and check out what they're doing. They've got some great products. We believe in them. We trust them. And uh, you should too. Latitude Outdoors. I'll tell you one thing. This has been the most comfortable year in the saddle I've ever had. Between the one panel and the two panel systems, you can really fit yourself into any situation. And it's really good opportunity to take this time of year and introduce someone new to it. So jump on over there, check them out. Nor'easter Game Calls, the magic man Mark himself, is spinning up all sorts of Christmas beauty out in that office of his. Some of the stuff he is turning is absolutely immaculate. You guys really need to go over there, show him some love and support. What he does for the show is incredible. There will be some calls coming from him just to support the squirrel competition. So, yeah, he's making squirrel calls. Make sure you get over there and check them out. The Rack Bracket. If you've had the opportunity to put something down and you're cheap like me or you just don't want to pay for a mount and you want to just go ahead and Euro, the Rack Bracket is the best way you can hang it. So make sure you go over there, get one of those, get it put up, and make sure you use the promo code Outdoor Drive 10. All right, guys, so I've drugged this long, long enough. Let's go ahead and turn this thing over to Will, and let's recap what to any of us would be an absolutely incredible season. Some of the stuff he's got to do and go out and his accomplishments are second to none. Uh, he's a noted author, he's a 9-11 survivor, and he's probably one of the most positive people you will ever meet. I can't talk to the guy and not feel bubbly. I mean, you just, you feel good about the world when you talk to this guy. So I hope you guys enjoy it, and uh, we're going to turn it over to Will. All right, guys, we're back with Will Jimeno, and this time we're honored because we got to visit with him a couple episodes back and talk about some darker days and, and some other opportunities that led to the lighter side of life and some really great accomplishments. But this time we're going to dig into the season as well as some of what he's got going on now. So, Will, if you do us a favor and reintroduce yourself, you don't have to go into too many details. They can go back and listen to that if they want, and uh, we'll kick it from there. Yeah, man. So my name is Will Jimeno. I'm a retired Port Authority police detective with the Port Authority Police of New York and New Jersey and a 9-11 survivor, but uh, more probably just an American hunter. And uh, just glad to be here with you today. Awesome, man. And we're happy to have you. Now, I like how you said I'm just an American hunter. Now, now you went out and proved it. You've had a heck of a season, man. Well, you know, uh, I've been blessed. And especially this year uh, here in New Jersey uh, and many parts up here in the Northeast, we got hit with EHD pretty bad. Uh, I don't think something that any of us expected. So uh, for me, so far this year, I've been blessed. Uh, I took a buck in Missouri, uh, took a real beautiful buck here in New Jersey, my recurve, which I've been trying to do oh. for a very long time. And then I recently was down in Maryland and uh, during their firearm season and took a really nice eight-pointer with uh, my 350 Legend rifle. Uh, and I'm, a- I'm actually going back to Maryland now in January for the three-day gun season. Uh, my wife, who got me into the sport, uh, and taught me this way of life is, uh, you know, being kind enough to let me go back down. So I'm hoping to actually uh, take a deer or a buck, uh, particularly with my uh, 44 Magnum handgun. But I'm to- also taking in tow my, uh, my, my bow because uh, I'm going to be able to get there for their, uh, out of the three-day gun season they have there, the 7th, 8th, and 9th of, of January, I'm going to be able to hunt the, the, uh, the 8th and 9th. And then I'll stay a couple extra days with my bow just in case because uh, my buddy, uh, Joy Biker down there, has some really good bucks running around there that we've been trying to get, haven't been able to get on them. I uh, was lucky enough to kill a real nice eight with him, but going back to try to get one of those monsters. That's awesome. Now, you said your wife got you into that. I'm assuming you're talking about the handgun hunting. No, just bow hunting. Actually, you know, she was never really a gun hunter. She's always been a bow hunter. Uh, she's the her and her dad, my uh, father-in-law, Paul Guardiano, who we lost in 2016. They're the ones who really taught me how to bow hunt and uh, and do everything in the outdoors. And uh, you know, of course, I ran with it. Uh, so, but the hand 
the firearms aspect of it comes from me growing up wanting to learn about firearms and in, in the military in the u.s navy i was a gunner's mate so gotcha. you know i ended up learning a lot about firearms and uh but honestly my first love is my bow you know uh, if i had to choose a weapon it would be the bow but uh I just recently found out that you can actually handgun hunt in Maryland. So I was like, are you kidding me? I got this <laughs> Smith & Wesson uh, 44 uh, Magnum Hunter. And uh, I've taken a hog with it one time, but I've never taken a deer. So I'm really looking forward to even harvesting a, a, a big old doe. Man, so. that's that's awesome. So she got you into the bow hunting side of thing. And God bless her for that because no man should have to experience life without a bow. That's all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah. you, not only with a bow, you did some recurve hunting, which you had success with. You, you kind of upped the ante. You took something that's hard and made it harder. What was well, that like? You know what? First of all, I'm still on cloud nine with that. You know, took a beautiful eight pointer here in New Jersey. Uh, again, going back to what I said, we got hit with EHD pretty bad. And uh, I'm blessed to have some really good spots on private property. Uh, and usually I'm overrun with deer. If anybody knows anything about New Jersey, the Garden State, we have a lot of deer up here. And we actually have a really good amount of, of, of quality bucks. And I wasn't seeing them. I wasn't seeing them. I heard the rumors about the EHD. I didn't really start looking for deer till around August, mid-August. Uh, by then, uh, some of my friends were saying that South Jersey got hit with EHD, and they were finding a lot of, a lot of dead bucks. Uh, uh, as most people know, with EHD, it attacks the bucks first because – it hits their antlers. They go right for the blood. Um, and I had friends of mine tell me, man, I'm finding big bucks in velvet dead. Um, I didn't think of anything of it till I started running cameras and I wasn't seeing anything. And then um, this went on for, for the month of September, most of the month of October. Uh, so I was uh, actually doing a speaking engagement out in Missouri and I was uh, luckily enough, invited by some great people to hunt out in Missouri, and that's where I ended up shooting a beautiful eight-point buck in Missouri out in the Ozarks. Uh, and I was keeping tabs on my my tacticams and I was small bucks, but nothing worth going after till uh, begin early November. I was down in Auburn University visiting my youngest daughter, and I got uh, a notification, and there was a decent buck, real nice buck, uh, on camera, and I couldn't believe it. I was like, oh my god, you know. And it's one of the spots where I like to set up for my recurve. I got a big double bull blind there, uh, you know, because I'm shooting a Black Widow 60-inch, uh, 43 pounds. Yeah, I was going to say, a, a longbow out of a, a blind, that's that's really up yeah, in the well, ante. I'm, I'm not even at a longbow. I'm at a recurve. Uh, <laughs> so, but it's it's still a longbow, 60 inches. So right. it's usually the spot I set up. I've taken one buck before uh, with my recurve uh, about four years ago, three or four years ago. And it was during winter bow. He was broken. It was a big body buck, not a big rack buck. And like I said, he was broken. But, you know, it, it was spectacular for me that I was able to harvest him like that. So this buck, when I saw him, I'm like, you know what? If I go with him, if I go after him with my Matthews, I know I can smoke him. No if ends up, buts about it. But I said, you know what? I really want to try to challenge myself. And I don't know about anybody else out there, but I shoot my recurve. And I'm only good out to maybe eight yards. Honestly, um, I should put more time into it, but I have anxiety when I shoot that bow. <laughs> I don't but blame I you. <laughs> do enjoy it. And I get the anxiety once I start putting in my mind, hey, I got a, a live, living, breathing creature in front of me. You know, when I'm just shooting at, you know, uh, a target, no big deal. But when I put, hey, there's going to be a live animal in front of me. Uh, I've been after it for many, many years. I've missed several deer and I always shoot over them. And, I, when I, and I'm not embarrassed to say when I miss them, it's usually seven yards. I'm like, I let go and I do this, and I see the arrow go over. I get you, know, you there. Yep. Right behind yeah, so but at this least year, you can confirm it's a uh, miss. I got the notification. Yes, uh, I probably have about five good misses, uh, and all of those. <laughs> to be honest with you, it's just I was just trying to harvest the dough to get that out of me, and I couldn't get it done. So this year, when I got that notification, I had been messing around with the recurve, but then when I got back, I really started shooting a lot every day. And I was making sure that I was keeping the distance close. And I said, all right, if I can get this buck in here, I think I can do it. And uh, so I kept tabs on, but he only showed up a couple of times and it was always at night. So I think it was uh, November 17th. Uh, I get a picture of him at like two in the morning. And I'm like, you know what? It's just had a feeling. Let's go. Let's go grab the 
grab the bow, get in the woods. It was warm. That's the problem. Right. So now I got EHD against me. It was a full moon. It was above average temperatures. I think it was like in the mid 50s, closer to 60 degrees. Right. And I get to my spot and I'm thinking, you know what? I'm probably not going to see anything, but at least I'm going to have a nice sit here in New Jersey, my home state, because I had only sat several times at another farm with my compound looking for a big eight pointer that was there. I couldn't get on him. So I'm thinking, man, this would be a miracle for me to get this buck in here. And uh, I went in there. As I got there, uh, I kicked up a, a, a nice eight pointer, not a huge buck, but one I, w- I wouldn't have shot, but right. it was at 15 yards. And I'm like, well, I said, uh, I stink with the recurve, so you're lucky anyway. You can, <laughs> well, you stay at 15 yards, you're safe. And he just stood there and watched me. And I actually looked toward uh, the blind that was about 70 yards away, and there was a nice eight pointer in front of it. And I'm like, I know him, uh, but that's not the one I wanted because this guy was uh, broken already. Um, and I just stood there and they walked away and I went over toward, uh, the blind sat down and, uh, I sat there for a couple hours, uh, it started cooling off, which was nice. Um, uh, and I just kept running through my mind, man, right here. I got the little kill box here. If they can come in here about seven, eight yards, I should be good. Um, and it was, I don't know, about quarter to five first, uh, couple does came in, um, and they hung around and they were only at six yards and, uh, so I felt comfortable with it. I actually pulled back on them and let down. So they gave me that confidence, you right. know, and I'm like, all right, like I could do this. Uh, they, they don't know I'm here. Uh, and then they walked away and a big button buck came over. Uh, when I say big, he was pre- pretty big button buck. I thought it was a big dolt. So I'm like, wait, those are knobs on his head. <laughs> so he hung around for a little bit. And then um, uh, a big dolt walked over. And one of the things I did beforehand, uh, there's a great guy here, uh, Steve Casillo out of New Jersey, retired uh, Newark firefighter. So he's got these scents called Signal 11. Uh, Ted Nugent actually uses them. Okay. Uh, Signal 11. And, you know, if you check them out, they're really good scents. And um, he gave, he wanted me to try some of the scents. So I tried the uh, the uh, 100% synthetic uh, because now New Jersey will not allow you to wear uh, your right. regular. An extra part of the, all the fun of the viruses. Yeah, so I was using that, and he went out of his way to make these. He's been making them for years, but he saw the writing on the wall that that's where it was going. So I had some dough and estrus, so I had put it out about, you know, just 30 yards from the blind to my left. I just threw a whole mess of it out, hoping that, man, if this buck's in the area, maybe he'll smell this, come in. And uh, so I was sitting there, and I'm watching these two deer in front of me, and it's starting to now, you know, 5 o'clock, sun's coming down, it's starting to get dark probably had about maybe 10, 15 minutes left of light. And I'm watching these, this big doe in front of me. And out of the corner of my eye, man, I see a deer pop out over by where I put that scent out. And uh, I can only see half his rack. He comes out. I can kind of see the rack. I'm like, whoa, that looks like a good rack. And he, he walked away. And I'm like, oh, you got to be kidding me, man. I'm like, come on. And I'm sitting there, and I'm waiting, and I'm waiting. And uh, it must have been a good, you know, five minutes it seemed like an attorney to me when i hear walking coming from that area and i can hear the rustling of leaves he's walking toward and then i hear burr, burr, and i'm like oh i said it's got to be <laughs> Money. him right yep so when i looked to, i looked to my left i could see the rack and i'm like oh god it's him i can't believe it like i i'm like now like all right you need to focus you need to calm down you need to breathe and i remember so the double bull blind you know there's a little uh there's a divider. So I was planning to shoot out this left window. That's where my mind was set. That's where I was positioned. Uh, but you know how it is. Uh, you have a plan until you get punched in the face like Mike Dyson says. Exactly. And my, my plan was starting to go out the window because at this point, it's starting to get a little darker. He's coming in. He comes in to, toward that window, but he's just a little further out than I'd like to shoot him. And he's quartering to. I'm like, oh, you got to be kidding. So now the big doe starts blocking. I'm like, please, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. You know. And they're not moving. They're feeding. And all of a sudden, the button buck picks his head up, starts walking to his right. The doe starts following the button buck for whatever reason. And all I see is all of a sudden, this buck pick his head up. And he's probably about, I don't know, 12 yards away. And I was like, yeah, I'd rather wish he was a little closer. But he turns. And now I knew what he did. He had gone to check out the first two does that were there. 
I guess they must have been hanging around. That's where he went to the sand check him. Gotcha. And as soon as he, this big doe started walking, he was going to follow her. He angled a little bit toward me, and all of a sudden I knew, I'm gonna, he's not going to be in this window. I'm going to have to shoot out the right window. So I turned my body. I got ready. And I'll be honest with you, the best type of shooting we all do is the kind you just – you don't remember. It's all body mechanics. You know, you're just – your body does what it needs to yeah, do. Just let that and muscle all, memory work. Exactly. And all I said to myself was, pick a spot. Don't move. Pick a spot. So as he comes into the window, he's clear now. The dough is gone. The button box is moving on. And, man, as he steps into that window, I pick a spot right behind his shoulder. And I pull back. And I let it fly. And all I remember is I couldn't even see the arrow. I don't have Luminox on him, which I – I'm going to put now in the future my Luminox. I have them on my regular bow. I'm going to put them on my recurve. Uh, it, it really helps you. Uh, and I didn't see the arrow, to be honest. It felt good, but when it hit, I didn't hear the hit. They just all three took off like like thoroughbreds. I mean, they just they took off. <laughs> so I, I got out of my chair, and I kind of knelt down, and I'm looking at them run away, and I'm listening, right? All the stuff that you learn. Watch, listen, and I don't hear anything. I'm like, oh, my, my heart just sank. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Not again. I probably missed that thought. So I calmed down. I took some breaths. I gave myself a couple minutes. I gathered my stuff. I stepped out of the blind. Now it's getting really dark. So I pull out my flashlight and I said, all right, let's look for blood. Let's look for some sign. And when I tell you I'm sitting there for 10 minutes, I don't see nothing. I don't see no blood. I'm walking in circles. I don't want to walk toward where they went because if it's a, any type of bad shot, I want to be able to back out. But right. I'm looking. So I said, all right. Most of the time, I usually miss over. So I'm looking behind them, you know, 10 yards, 20 yards, 15 yards, 30 yards. I don't see no arrow. So at this point, I'm like, all right, I'm going to – I know the property. I'm going to walk toward there where they usually run, and I'm going to walk that way till I see something. If I get to this rock ledge and I don't see anything, I'm backing out. I'll come back in the morning with a dog. Uh just for the peace of mind, but I don't have an arrow. So now my worst fear is, hey, man, I stuck this deer wrong and it's running around with an arrow. You know, so, but something in me also said, man, you did everything right tonight. You really did. So I started walking, I'm walking and walking. It must have been, I don't know, about 30 yards where I see the first speck of blood. I'm like, oh, I got blood. I said, I, I hit him, you know, definitely hit him. Start walking a little bit more, a little bit more blood, a little bit more blood. Now he's going downhill. So I, I shine my light, and I see eyes in the distance, but it was a spike buck. I don't see nothing. I'm just like, all right, this is not good. So I walked up a little bit more, found a little bit more blood, but then the, it started just little specks. So I wasn't very confident. Right. I ended up calling my wife because now I'm like a good 20 minutes after dark, you know, just taking my time, going slowly. So I called her. And I said, hey, I hit that buck. She said, are you kidding me? I said, no, no. And I love it because she gets just as excited as I do, which is awesome. That's awesome. You know, to have a, a partner, a partner that just loves supporting you is just priceless. And I'm blessed in that aspect. So I just told her, I said, listen, I'm going to go a little further. If I don't have good blood, I'm backing out. I don't want to lose this deer. But I also, my, my heart sank because we got so many coyotes now up here in New Jersey that I know that if I didn't get to them tonight, if I do find them in the morning, they're going to be on them. Right. So I, I, I look down, I see a little bit more blood, a little bit more blood. I'm probably like about 50 yards out. And then all of a sudden I see more blood and more blood. And all I did was pick up my flashlight. When I look, he's right there. He's like, he went a total of about 70 yards. And all I see is this rack on the side just sitting there. And I'm like, oh, my God. Awesome, so, man. You know, I started going up there and the arrow had fallen out of him about, I don't know, 10 yards before he dropped. And that was a murder scene. I mean, it's just blood everywhere. You know, I was using a Grim Reaper uh, fixed blade, a three-blade uh, Hades Pro uh, that they helped me out with. Grim Reaper is just an awesome company, great American company. They've always supported me. And and I'll tell you what, <laughs> this broadhead did a job on this buck. And when I woke up, I mean, my jaw drops. I put, I, I mean, I 10-ring this deer right behind the shoulder. And... The bl the blood was coming out all bubbly, and I'm like, you couldn't oh, ask yeah. And I couldn't believe it. I, I honestly, I just sat there and looked at him and just thank God. I said, thank you for this opportunity because this was just a beautiful buck. And I remember just walking up 
And I couldn't believe it. I'll be honest with you. I, I couldn't believe it. I picked up the arrow. Um, and I was just like in awe. It was a dream come true, to be honest with you. Well, so at that point, I called my wife back. I told her I got him on the ground. She said, send me pictures, send pictures. Uh, and let me tell you, I, like I said, I'm still on cloud nine from that book. Man, that's amazing. And I, and I'm glad you trusted your gut. You know, you, you didn't second guess it when you only saw pinpricks and just jumped out. You know, you felt right. Everything went right. You trusted your gut. And I did. And I mean, there was still it. a side of me that was little, but I said, you know what? I got to give do right by this year. I don't want to just back out. Uh, I don't want to push him either. So it's that decision that we all have to make where you're either going to push a deer. Uh, and I'm glad I did it because uh, he would have been he would have been eaten up overnight. And uh, so I was just it was a great, great evening, one that I'll never forget. Uh, one that I was able to share with my wife and my my oldest daughter when I got back and my little, little dog, Riley, because she goes crazy with the deer. Uh, and, you know, <laughs> you get home and your wife says, that's a good buck. I said, I know I did good when my wife says that's a good buck. There you she's go. She's on what I see. Yeah, <laughs> so it was, and I tell everybody, listen, you shoot a compound, love my compound to death, we'll always shoot it. Uh, but man, if you're, if you got the courage, give yourself a chance to try to, try to take one with the recurve. It's just, uh, it brings you back to uh, uh, what archery is about, you know, and, uh, and, and my, I tip my hat off to guys that should do it with a longbow. I mean, that's even harder. Right. You know, but uh, I got it done with my widow, and uh, I got two bucks with it, and uh, this one—they're both memorable. But this one's going to live in my in my memories for a very long time. Man, that's incredible! I'm glad it worked out for you. So, yeah, jumping back to the early season, you said you were down in Missouri doing a, a speaking engagement, and yes, for lack of better terms, stumbled onto an opportunity to hunt down there. Tell me about that. Well, well, you know, I was asked uh, again. Pre-COVID, I had a speaking engagement organized for a great family down in Missouri who lost their son. And they have a uh, every year they have a, uh, a group of conservationists that come in and they raise money uh, in his name. And uh, at that point, they give that money to conservation groups throughout Missouri to help get kids involved in the outdoors, to get them away from drugs or any type of bad situation they might be in, uh, to try to help children again to escape that urban uh not even urban i can't even say it because it happens in the yeah, country. anymore Just it's countrywide yeah habits. yeah any bad habits to try to get them in the outdoors because as we know the outdoors is is a tool that really teaches children the value of life and, and gives them an opportunity to understand there's more to life than all that bad stuff so uh but while i was asked to come out there one of the people that were organizing this was uh, a gentleman by the name of rudy rudy is very well known um in uh in missouri st louis uh you know he's a, he's a great gentleman owns some big companies uh and asked me hey uh want to stay a couple of days after and, and and go hunting with us I, i'd love to have you on one of my farms and you know i'm like yeah that'd be awesome of course uh, so we had a great evening uh they raised a lot of money for this organization there um and at that point we went on and uh i gotta tell you it was great got to this uh beautiful property uh, was just taken back by everything. He has pretty much Disneyland for deer. I mean, food plots, uh, redneck blinds everywhere. Uh, and that night he told me, where do you want to hunt? I said, look, uh, I don't guide the guy. This is your property. Let me know. And uh, luckily I listened to him. He actually said, you know, I'm going to put you in this redneck blind over this big food plot. And uh, no sooner did I get up in those redneck blinds, I mean, it's storm. I'm like, thank God I listened to him. <laughs> and then it's asked for a tree stand. Uh, and so I just sat there and I watched deer in the distance. I saw a lot of turkeys, didn't see any shooters, but the whole time I was dry, uh, you know, and as night came, as, as the evening progressed, you know, the storm stopped. I saw a lot more deer. Uh, they picked me up and, uh, he said, you know, I went to this other spot and, uh, I was sitting in my, uh, rifle uh, blind and uh, I have another redneck blind out there. And I said, I saw a real nice eight pointer. He goes, uh, you should hunt there in the morning. Now, mind you, I was only going to hunt for like two and a half days. So I said, sure, I, you know, whatever you say, you know. So we woke up in the morning. Uh, they took me out to that redneck blind, sat in there. Um, didn't see anything in the morning for a while. And I got a text from my buddy who was hunting with us and says, hey, you know, Rudy says in the mornings it's not really good here. And I'm like, all right, no big deal, you know. But I'm literally between two food plots uh, in, a, in a, like a, a pinch point. And finally, I think it was around 8 o'clock, I started seeing deer walking behind me, some does couple more does come out um and 
the thing is, because I have a brace because of my injury, so I wear a brace on my boot, and it, it creaks every once in a while when I move. Right. So I'm like very careful getting up in this revving plane. Even though I'm high up in the air, when I move, I can hear it. I'm like, well, if I can hear it, the deer can hear it. So I had the slots open on the rednecks because this particular redneck had the long slots on each uh, in right. each corner and then had the square. So I just left one open because of the wind. I wanted to make sure that I wasn't, you know, letting them win me from one area. And I just said, let me look out the main window here and look down. And it was probably like around 820. I get up and I look. And I'm like, oh, there's a nice eight pointer right there in front of me. <laughs> Never heard him. And I'm like, I think this is the buck that Rudy says I should shoot. So I sit down, and I see him, and he's looking to his left. So I just sat down, didn't move, and he starts making his way into that window. First, I see the antlers. Then I see the neck. Then I see his vitals, but he's kind of like in, in, in a position quarter and two. So I'm like, all right, we'll just relax, you know. And uh, he keeps coming. He keeps coming. Finally comes in. He's at 25 yards broadside. You know, I'm sitting down. I'm in a chair that spins, and I just pull back, put that pin on him, and let it fly. And... Um, I thought I hit him a little forward, and I go back to the Grim Reapers. I'm, you know, yeah, I'm plugging them because they're just a great broadhead. But I was using the Whitetail Specials on that my compound. That's the ones I use. The gotcha. Two and a half inch cut, yeah. huge. And I said, man, I think I hit him a little forward, but he takes off and he runs into some taller grass and he cuts left. And I'm listening. I'm listening. I thought I heard a crash, and I said, no, nah, I can't be. I shot a little forward, so I text my buddy. I'm like, hey, man, I just hit a buck. I think we need to give him some time. He's so excited. He's like, oh, no, you hit him. You, you got him, you know? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay. Everyone's so getting wrapped you know, up. I, yeah, 15 minutes later, here he comes in on the electric buggy. Pulls up. He's like, oh, come on, come on down. I'm like, all right, let's slow down, slow down, uh, get out, walk over. Uh, and, man, right a luscious food pot. And right where I shot, there was blood. We start walking up. More blood, more blood, more blood. And he's like, dude, this deer is dead. I'm like, I think you might be right. Uh, so we get into the tall grass and now it's like, you know, Stevie wonder could follow this blood trail. <laughs> and we, we, we walk over and we hit the, where the, the buck cut a left. And as soon as we hit there, I look down and all I see is white belly. I'm like, are you kidding me? That, two, that two and a half inch cut just opened him up. I sliced his heart right in half. Uh, the shot was a little forward. I did actually go right through the front leg. And I mean, I just cut his heart right, right in half. And, Walked over, and that's my first Missouri buck. I've killed deer in Missouri before, not a buck. I've shot deer out in, um, uh, with a friend of mine years ago, uh, probably maybe three years after 9-11, I was brought out there, and I took a couple of does with my bow, but never a buck. I missed that buck that first time I went out to Missouri, but it was just really nice to be able to hunt a different place, uh, be in redneck blinds, uh, you know, and there's a lot of people out there who have the means, and they really like to share their what they have with others, which is the coolest part. I think that, you know, this gentleman, Rudy, uh, really has been blessed, worked hard, came from another country, built a beautiful company here, but he gives back to his community. And in the hunting community, he really looks out for people. And, uh, you know, we texted him right away. He was so happy. He sent him pictures with this nice buck, uh, nice body on him. So that hunt was just spectacular. You know, it was really, really cool. Not only did I go out there to help people, inspire people and raise money for what we love our outdoors, but also got the opportunity to put an arrow through a real nice Missouri buck. Man, that's that's the kind of trip you beg for. You know, you you're not just giving; someone's giving back, and it, it's yeah, just a I nice, know. beautiful circle. You know, it's people being well, good what's people. Nice about that's the, what's the, the best part about the outdoor community. I don't care what anybody says. Uh, you know, again, I I was brought into the outdoors through my wife. Uh, I grew up in Hackensack, New Jersey. You know, playing soccer, doing karate. Never, you know, little Boy Scouts and stuff, but never got the opportunity to uh, hunt uh, and fish uh, just, just because of my heritage and the way I was brought up. But let me tell you, I just hope that the American heritage of hunting, fishing, trapping is something that we push and pass down to kids because it's been so fulfilling for me, so rewarding. And uh, I know it will help the younger generation. I think right now we can all agree we're at the crossroads we are. You know, we need to take those opportunities to teach our kids the value of life, the value of respect. And hunting, fishing, trapping really encompasses all that. Whether uh, people might think I'm crazy, you know, it's teaching you about the value of life, teaching you about respect, teaching you about caring about 
the, the land we, we hunt on and we fish on and we trap on. So there's a lot of great lessons. And at the same time, you're, you're able to experience better things than what Disney can give you. I, I tell people, you'll go to Disneyland, I'll go hunt. And, uh, you know, there's just so many good things, positive things. And uh, I didn't bring the meat back, so we donated to uh, Helping the Hungry. Uh, which Rudy gave us a butcher, and he's like, hey, man, this is going to feed a family. And that's another thing. You're able to help other people that might not hunt and don't have the means to feed their family. So uh, I was just all around great trip. Man, that's incredible. And I'm glad that all worked out that way for you. It's kind of yeah. a kind of a really good way to start off the season. Good positivity, good vibes all the way around. And, and yeah, I it think was. That, it really was. Yeah, that, it kind of feeds into um, – We'll lean on the, the word karma in this case. It it really just kind of sets you up to be able to go out and have success after success and really continue to enjoy that and share that. So, man, it, Yeah, absolutely. And I just tell people, like, you know, uh, I'm blessed being retired. I do get a lot of time to go hunt. I know a lot of guys, a lot of uh, men and women who, you know, they're working. They're working 40, 50, 60-hour work weeks, and it's hard for them to get out. Uh, so I don't take what I uh, have lightly. You know, every time I'm in a stand, I'm appreciative. I, I tell people I try to bottle it up. I mean, I really do. Every sunset, every sunrise, if I'm lucky enough to harvest an animal, I wish I could just take that and bottle it up and hold on to it, but we can't. So, uh, you know, every opportunity you have out there that you get out there by yourself or with somebody, you know, really try to take a step back and not think about just killing something. Just take it all in, you know, because the years go by so fast. Uh, and, and there's going to be a day that you might not be able to get out there. So you're trying to bottle up all those memories, all those experiences. So uh, that's the way I look at it. The day that I'm not able to get back, I can go through my Rolodex in my mind and say, hey, yeah, let me think about that. Hunt. Let me think about this. Hunt. And not only the harvest, but what came with that, which is all the great people I've been able to meet. Oh, absolutely. And and I'll tell you right now, just from seeing you on the video side, I, I will honestly verify he's not just making this up and we have a good friend down uh at talk about it outdoors they they talk about it all the time is you, you mount the memories and behind you you have some very beautiful deer and i'm not yeah these aren't 200 inches these aren't you know monster freaks you have a spike you have a typical deer and you have a beautiful deer all lined up next to each other so it, it proves yeah, to no, me that actually, you're proud of it Oh, that spikes my first uh, antlered animal, and I'll never get rid of them. So I'm in my basement right now. Uh, I have more game animals upstairs. I have another game room. That's where pretty much my bigger animals are. And you know, you know, and I'm blessed to have some really cool, cool uh, bucks up there and some other critters. Uh, but this is the basement, so you know, I got a pool table down here, and this is where we entertain more. More people come down, and people always ask me, "Well, why, why don't you have the bigger animals down here?" I said, "Because you know, people come down here. Uh, they see my daughter's fan." her first uh, turkey she killed. And right. then next to that one is a fan on a bird. I shot the morning that my father-in-law passed. I, I was in Alabama. He passed here in New Jersey. And uh, I just asked him, I said, you know, I know you passed this morning at one, send me a turkey just so I know you're okay. And, and, and actually I shot a bird that morning. So I can have those two fans. Uh, and the, these deer, the spike, uh, that's a five pointer. This is a 10 pointer here from Jersey. These deer here, are not huge deer, but they mean so much to me. This is these are deer that I was able to harvest uh, before I really had a lot of private property and stuff like that. So they mean a lot to me. Uh, you know, this bear I shot in town here, um, and you know, behind me I got a turkey back there. It was a big turkey that I was able to shoot with some buddies. And so it's not about the size of the animal; it really is about the memories of the animal. Uh, and you know, I tell everybody, you know, I hate to hear, and I make sure that I don't make that mistake. You know, when I hear somebody say, "Hey, you know," It's not the biggest buck. Or it's not. Hey, man, if you shot that animal, you should be happy and proud of it. Don't dis disrespect the animal, disgrace uh, the hunt by saying, well, he's not my biggest. Well, then you shouldn't have shot him. 100%. But if you shot him, be proud of him. 100%. You know, and I tell people because, you know, everybody gets caught up with television. And listen, they're people and they're great people. Like I got, I'm, I have the pleasure of knowing the Jury Brothers, a bunch of the guys from Marcio. Uh, and, and they get to hunt some great places and they get to take some great animals that should never deter you from shooting a spike. Uh, if it's legal where you hunt, you know, a five pointer, or a small 10, if that's what you have, uh, then go for it. 
You know, if you have the opportunity to let them walk and let them grow, then so be it. But, you know, take those moments to make those memories because, you know, like what happened to me on September 11th, uh, you know, that almost lost my life. And uh, there'd be no more hunger. You know, so make sure you take those experiences and be proud of the animals you take. Uh, you know, I'm proud of every animal I take. And I never disrespect them by saying, well, he wasn't big enough for it. You know, now I made a decision to take that animal. And uh, for the most part, I eat them. So uh, it's a good thing, you know. But, yeah, thank you for pointing that out. I always tell people these animals mean a lot to me. And, yeah, I have bigger ones. But these are the ones I want people to see, especially this spike, because I always tell them, it's a great story with that buck. And I tell them that's the first antler deer I ever shot. People always ask me, well, why'd you mount that? I say, because he's the first one that actually had horns. And I'm very proud of him. Exactly. And that's what it's about, man. You mount the memories and you're, you're always more proud of the ones that have the best memories. You know, if, if yeah. you crawl into a stand and two minutes later, a giant walks by pure luck, pure fluke, whatever you want to call it, you shoot him. Okay. I got a big buck, but there's no story behind it. But yeah. then you have that, and anyone that yeah. asks, you can tell, you know, the emotions, the elation, the excitement at the success. That all comes across with that deer as opposed to the one you got lucky on. Yeah, and, you know, ever since I lost my father-in-law, it's been tougher for me because, you know, and I think people can relate that. You could take a deer story that you shot a buck and talk to someone that's really into it with you that, that has as much of an obsession like you do with it. And you can take that story and tell it in a hundred different ways. And your buddy or the person you're talking to that loves it as much as you just sits there on the edge of their seat. Say it again. Tell me again. <laughs> you can take that story and tell it a hundred different ways and they'll still listen to you. And I, I miss that. You know, I have my wife, but I lost my father-in-law. So it's always that I wish I could pick up the phone and call my father-in-law and say, Hey, Hey Paul, you should see this Missouri buck or the buck I shot with a recurve, you know, and uh, that's why I tell people, really try to bottle up, if you can, as much as you can, uh, even though you can't, those memories. And uh, cherish those people around you that love what you do, uh, because one day they're not going to be around. And it, 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 it sucks, you know, to have that void. But uh, the way I, I honor them is by still going out and hunting. And I'll do that till the day that I can anymore. As long as I can get out there and be in the woods and be with nature, it's it's a gift. Oh, absolutely. And so there's there's kind of been a theme I'm going to say over the past probably four episodes here on the show, and it's it's going back into what you're talking about, and it's those stories that you want to share, those chances and conversations you get with people that you get to relate to the hunt, not the kill, not the deer, mm -hmm. but it's the you won't believe this story, this crazy stuff happened, and then this and this, and oh, yeah, I shot a deer at the end of it, but in between, here's what happened, and that's what you talk yeah. about. And, mm -hmm. and it seems like more and more people are starting to revert back to the old timers ways. You know, you sit and you listen yeah. to them at camp and you listen to their stories. And it's about, you remember when Joe got the truck stuck at the end of the road because he was being stupid. <laughs> you know, it has nothing to do with killing yeah. the deer. It's the stories and the camaraderie around it. So. Well, it's so, it's so funny to say that because old school really becomes new school. I mean, you look at a lot of things just uh you know, movies to uh, the music, uh, you see how they still go into the past and remake movies that were classics, uh, redo music from the past and interpret it a different way. So same thing. Uh, some things just don't go away. One of the things is those uh, the stories around the campfire, you know, and uh, what sucks is as we grow older, we start losing some of the great storytellers that uh, have stories that I know everybody understand what I'm going to talk about. There's people that have been in your lives that could tell stories, hunting stories, uh, and they'll, they'll, they'll have you giggling. They'll have you on the edge of your seat and, you know, then they're gone and you wish they were back. So, you know, you have to continue that on with your next generation, your kids. Uh, it doesn't even have to be your kids. It could be just, you know, somebody's kid that does, that wants to go hunting, but doesn't have anybody. Be a mentor to people like that and teach them the ways that have been taught to me and been taught to you guys to preserve the American her heritage of hunting and fishing and trapping in the outdoors. Absolutely. I think that's just so important. I, I and, agree. And this is coming from a guy that, this is coming from a guy that was born in Columbus, South America, came here with two. So I always tell people, if I love it this much, if you're lucky and blessed to be born in this nation, you should really be pushing that. <laughs> I agree. And I, you can't really, you can't say it any better than that right there. I mean, yeah. you have it from the outsider's perspective coming in, 
literally, well, I'm not going to say literally, you kind of got the American dream the rough way, but uh, in a, a very patriotic manner. And, yeah, and I think, go ahead. All right, I, no, I thank you for that. But I think everybody should be patriotic. I just, I just have to say that. I just I tell people, it kills me when I see people that don't appreciate this country because it's the greatest country in earth hands now. Yeah. And, and you've, you've taken your experiences and everything and your perspectives. And we talked about it briefly on the last show. You had the books coming out. You had the, the new book coming out for the youth. Those have all released and, Congratulations on those, by the way. They're incredible. So thank you. walk us through kind of how are you doing? What are you getting to experience through that book release? I think the most important thing that I've been able to acquire from this book release is gratitude. Uh, the gratitude that I've been able to help people, you know, and thank you for bringing up the books. You know, I have the feedback I've gotten from Immigrant American Survivor, a little boy who grew up to be all three. I have it in English and Spanish. And then Sunrise Through the Darkness, you know, it's my tale on learning to recover through uh, the injuries I had physically, but more importantly, mentally. Uh, and the feedback I've gotten is the, I'm, I'm just received so much gratitude from people for sharing these books. Teachers and children have been sending me notes like you cannot believe that I can't believe, you know, because, again, I'm just a normal guy like anybody out there. And this book, Sunrise Through the Darkness, uh, I've gotten feedback from law enforcement officers as well as military people and families, the people who are dealing with dark times, whether it be post-traumatic stress disorder, alcoholism. And what really blew my mind away was that I had a doctor reach out to me uh, that said that this book, Sunrise to the Darkness, has helped uh, women who have postpartum. And that's something that I never would have thought of. Uh, so the feedback we've gotten on the books, if I don't sell another book, I can go to my grave knowing that I did something special and I was able to help a couple people uh, improve their lives and hopefully put them on a path to uh, happiness with the book Sunrise Through the Darkness and inspire children who have the future ahead of them and are going to be the leaders of our nation and the world. So both books are available on Amazon.com as well as Barnes and Noble. And I'm proud to say both books are available at the 9-11 Memorial in New York City in their store. Uh, and, uh, you know, they make great Christmas gifts, uh, again, to inspire kids and let them know that, Hey, you're going to go through the same thing we did. You know, you're going to have tough times. You're going to confront bullyism, being bullied or being a bully. You know, I always tell people yeah, sometimes you don't know when you're being a bully. Yeah, it is. And it's something that no matter what the media tries to tell you, no matter what, you know, they want to tell you safe spaces. It's something that's going to be with us from the beginning of time it's been there, and it's going to be with us till the end of time. We're human beings. We grow up. We make mistakes. We learn from them. But you have to teach your children that they can overcome anything and to be tough because the safe space in your life is you. I'm sorry, and I tell everybody this. I know people try to make safe spaces. You're your own safe space. When you have confidence in yourself, when you have that knowing that, you know what, I'm going to be okay, that's your safe space. And with the book Sunrise to the Darkness, I want people to understand that you're not alone. You're not alone. So if you're a veteran who's dealing with post-traumatic stress disorder, you're not alone. If you're an alcoholic, you're not alone. If you're a drug abuser, you're not alone. You need to fight to find a way toward out of your darkness and toward your sunrise. So, again, two great books for the holidays to make sure that you help somebody out and inspire people. Put a smile on kids' faces. The the uh, my co-author, Charles Riccardi, great illustrator. My co-author, Michael Motes, on this one is a doctor of psychology, has some great advice and exercises. For those of you out there who are suffering through some darkness but feel like you can't talk to anybody, they have exercises in here that are going to help you understand that, hey, let me start. Just breathing alone is something that people don't think about when they're in a dark place that can help them. So both books have a lot of good things. I hope people pick them up. I hope it helps you and your family members. And I'm just proud to have done this with two great authors, you know, Michael Motes, again, with Sunrise Through Darkness and Charles Riccardi with, uh, with my children's book. And uh, it's my way of giving back. You know, I've been blessed to receive a lot uh, emotionally, physically, uh, and through my family that these books is my way of giving back to, to the world. That's outstanding. And I highly recommend you guys check them out. It is 
well worth the time, well worth the read. Just incredible information, guys. I, I can't tell you enough how well written and how eye-opening they are. They, they really are everything he's saying. So check them out. If you know somebody, get it to them. It's a great means to a great end. So uh, congratulations on that again. But Thank you, man. That means a lot. Thank you. Anytime. Shifting away from that, I got to ask, from your perspective, you've got to do some things kind of from a, a different perspective, you know, with a little bit of the, between the media, between the speaking engagements, people knowing who you are, you've got to see the outdoor community kind of from a different perspective than a lot of most people get to. And with mm-hmm. that, what within the outdoor community would you like to see change? I think that within the outdoor community, I just want people to understand that we cannot be our own worst enemies. I always tell people that every group you can think of uh, within that group, uh, there are people who destroy that group. You know, that's why I always worry about our nation. You know, let us not be our own worst enemy. You know, like uh, Abraham Lincoln, it won't be forces from the outside that destroy us. It'll be, uh, you know, it'll be us within. So within the hunting community, I want people to be able to support each other. Uh, support people, whether they use a crossbow, a bow, a rifle, a handgun. If it's legal, support them. You know what I mean? Uh, some people will be against, uh, you know, chasing bears with dogs. I've done it. Uh, it's not my thing. I did it. But I support them. You know, it's legal. We need to support each other. And I want to see more hunters be able to say, hey, you know what? Maybe uh, I got a big buck and maybe this year I don't shoot that big buck. Maybe I bring a new hunter in and get them hooked on the sport, you know? So let's not destroy ourselves by the jealousy, by the ugly banter, uh, and turn around and do more for each other by bringing new people that have never hunted uh, onto your private properties if you're able to. Uh, and I get it. Sometimes you bring people and some people are kooky. I get it. Right. But, you know, look at those youth programs uh, that where you want to be able to say, hey, let me bring some kids uh, from inner cities and say, let me teach you about the outdoors. Let me be a, 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 a signal of hope, not only for you and your world, but also for us in the outdoor community that we're going to do our part to make sure that more of our younger generation are involved in, in hunting, fishing, trapping, and we continue this great American tradition because, unfortunately, right now, we have such a group on the far left that would eradicate all this. You know, they, they, they don't want guns, bows. Uh, fishing, trapping, and these are things that are a staple of the American heritage. And the only people that can protect that is us, the sportsmen and sportswomen. So that's what I would like to see. Uh, overall, the, the hunting community is one that is compassionate, is supportive. But, you know, again, you know, just online, I can see people where they kind of attack each other, you know. Uh, oh, well, you know, use the crossbow. Oh, well, you went hunting, but you went into a fenced in area. If it's legal... And it keeps them hunting and uh, it, it makes them stay within our sport uh, and not leave it. I'm all for it. So that's what I would like to see is just more supportiveness of each other, no matter w- the way you hunt or, or, you know, what type of weapons, what type of camo, what type of product. And you got to remember, we need to support all the product manufacturers. I don't care what the product is. You might be against it, but it's a, a, a product made by a hunter. Uh, for our community and it supports them. So we need to support each other. You know, again, you don't have to buy a product you don't like, but don't turn it away from somebody that might want to do it just because it's an ego trip. So uh, as the saying goes, you know, ego is not your amigo. So let's make sure we do the best we can for our sport. And I can't take credit for that. That's Mark Wahlberg from the movie Mile uh, 22. He's, you see it in there. Ego is not your amigo. And it's true. It's one of the downfalls. And uh, when we can step uh, away from our egos uh you see a lot more positive things man that's that's really well said um that's not the ten thousand view that's the up close hundred foot view you know you're you're taking the big picture and condensing it all down into the full reality of what we all need to face because you're 100 correct so man got to recover from that one that was uh (laughs) powerful but alas we'll progress um one question we ask 
everybody and we hit you with it last time but it'll be interesting to see where you sit with it now is uh what drives you outdoors for me it's just the gift of life i'll be honest with you it really does i mean uh it's just knowing that especially what i went through being uh so close to death that it's a gift it's a gift and uh again i've gone out knowing i'm not might not see deer because of the conditions uh just like on uh november 17th uh, full moon, EHD, uh, warm weather. But I said, you know, I'm going to go sit out there. And that's just a gift in itself. Um, and the time and this year, I got to be honest with you, I've been very lucky this year, but I have not been stunk. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I hope it doesn't happen going forward because I'm still hunting until probably the end of January. But even if I do get stunk, it's a day that I've been able to physically get up, physically walk myself to a blind or a tree stand, physically hunt, and be able to come home. And that is a gift that you don't realize probably till you're a little bit older. Uh, again, when we're young, we think we're going to live forever and nothing's going to happen to us. Uh, but there's many people out there that know what I'm talking about, you know, um, and, and, and in a heartbeat, your life can change. So every time you get to go out there and do what you love, your obsession, you know, remember, it's a gift. So that's what motivates me to still keep going out there. Uh, and it's something I'll do till I can't anymore. Uh, you know, I know that I'm blessed to have been uh, given this opportunity to live this lifestyle through my wife and my father-in-law. Uh, I'm blessed that my youngest daughter carries it on. She turkey hunts with me and loves bow fishing. Um, so it's something that I tell people. What drives me is just life, the gift of life. There's really no other way to put it. That's that's it. There's nothing else that matters more. So Yeah, it's true. Where can everybody find you? How can they uh, follow along with the rest of your guys' story? Well, I just, uh, you know, I don't have any websites or anything like that. Again, like I tell people, I am just a regular guy, just like everyone out there uh, that's listening to me, just a regular human being. Uh, you know, I'm on Facebook, just at Will Jimeno. Uh, and my Instagram is Wasp Archer. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I post up things. I try to be positive. I try not to get political. You know, sometimes I do open my mouth. Because it can be hard. If I see something wrong. Yeah, and, and it's because I love my country. And again, I, I fought for this country. You know, I, I served in the U.S. military and the Navy, uh, served as a Port Authority police officer, almost died as a police officer trying to help people on September 11th. And I believe in freedom of speech. So, you know, when, when you're telling me you shouldn't hunt, I respect you because you can't do that in Russia. You can't do that in Iraq. You can't do it in Afghanistan. But I, along with millions upon millions of other Americans uh, have fought, have protected, have served this nation. So you have that opportunity. Uh, so I just want people to understand how special this country is. Uh, you don't get to do a lot of things that are anti-American in other countries uh, because you probably disappear and, and be killed. Uh, you have that right here. So remember that every time you take or you try to take a right from another American, such as hunting or out or outdoor world, you're taking a right that for you to get that back one day, you're going to have to fight for it. And that means you got to spill blood. And I don't think people realize that that's something that is factual, that the freedoms we have here, and they always say the American flag is not made out of cloth. It's made out of the blood of patriots. So if you know someone who wants to take your right away from uh, the outdoor world, from the second amendment, remember, uh, you know, the first amendment you have, and it's protected by the second amendment. That's a fact. You know, and all our amendments, they've been there uh, for over 250 years because of the fact that smart men who were under suppression realized that these are, are, are enable, enable, enable rights. All right. That's the Spanish in me messing that up. <laughs> uh, I know what you meant. Inalienable. We deserve. Thank you. That we should hold and cherish. And I hope people do that. I really, really do. Uh, but again, uh, Will Jimeno on Facebook, uh, Instagram is Wasp Archer. And, uh, you know, hey, I just share my lifestyle. I try to be positive. I try to uplift people because I've been blessed to have a second lease on life. And all I'm trying to do is, especially those people who are down, who are having a tough time, to look at my social media and say, you know what, uh, Will, and if they read my book, especially Sunrise with Darkness, they'll see that my life is not always just, you know, roses and flowers and butterflies uh there are tough days i've lived them i continue to live them from time to time 
but I'm able to pick myself up and go toward that sunrise and live a fulfilling life. And when they see that, uh, trust me, I have my down days. I don't share that stuff, but I try to be inspirational and I try to make people understand that you're not alone. We all have our downfalls. We all fall down, but we all can pick ourselves up. That's what I tell people. Outstanding. Well, guys, you heard it all right here straight from Will. There's not much more positive in life than you can get from this man. We're we're all truly blessed and honored to have you back on the show again. And we're extremely happy for you for the the success and the outreach that you're finding as you've recouped from so many very dark and disastrous times. So with that being said, guys, go follow Will, check him out, buy his books, and spread the word, share that positivity, because that's what it's all about. That's how we keep this rolling. That's how we keep the outdoors free. And until then, guys, thanks for taking the ride right here on the Outdoor Drive. <laughs>